Hi, and welcome to the Thank God for the Beatles podcast. If this is your first time, welcome, and if you are returning, it's great to have you back. I'm Karen, and joining me as co-host is my brother Jeff. That's me. We love the Beatles, and we're always talking about them, always something interesting to discover, to recall, or to remember, and on today's episode, we are remembering the Paul is Dead hoax slash conspiracy theory that was, at the time, it was a very huge story. And 52 years later, people are still researching, they're looking for clues, they're doubting. And, you know, if you go on um, any Beatles website and someone refers to it, you know, there's a whole litany of the Paul is dead comments where people are like, that's Paul, you know, it's fake Paul, even on YouTube. And it's just fascinating because we were young during this and we really were a part of it as well and of discovering it. So it's left an indelible impression on us and it's an indicative of the power of conspiracy theories and rumors and how they, they get a life of their own, and it's, you know, it's considered one of the top five hoaxes. The JFK assassination, the moon landing, Roswell, 9-11, and uh, just first well, impressions of, of, of just since you were older than I was at the time. Well, of course I'm older than, but uh, I'd say that, the, first of all, the JFK assassination and, uh, You're still older than is, uh, I don't think that was a hoax. Uh, other than, and Roswell, well, that very well could be true, but all the other ones, uh, yeah, the moon landing, yeah, I think that was real, okay? I think 9-11 was real and not a conspiracy. And uh, yeah, I have worn out uh, the grooves on both sides of my records, reading these articles from these magazines and thinking and wondering, did this really happen? Is William Campbell really the substitute for Paul McCartney. And I went peering through the album covers for the supposed clues for everything. And then going back and listening to all the lyrics and going, hmm. And I actually, at that time, being 10, 11, and 12, and 13, I was pondering this and actually taking seriously the possibility that, well, maybe it's possible. It's plausible. So because it was in the range of plausible and I was far more impressionable, I actually thought, well... Maybe this guy is a Paul McCartney imitator. Is it likely? No. Was it possible? Well, of course, anything is possible. But I had basically taken the record grooves and worn them out. I would put on Revolution 9 from the white, from the so-called White Album, which is called The Beatles. And I would hear, turn me on, Deadman. Turn me on, Deadman. And I'd listen to the accident going, what? And thinking, you know, the noise, and tend to see a dentist to find a pair of teeth, you know. And then I play it backwards. I'd go to the end of "I'm so tired," where it sounds like he's he's mumbling. If you play it forward and you play it backwards, it sounds like he goes "Miss him, miss him, miss him, Paul is dead." And you think, oh, he's saying "Miss him, miss him, miss him, Paul is dead." A lot of things backwards sound like there's something. It's just like at the end of "Strawberry Fields," um, where he goes. You know, he says, he said, cranberry sauce. But um, it sounds like, I buried Paul. And that became an ongoing joke. I buried Paul. You know, the first people sounded like that. It could have possibly sounded like, I buried Paul. Oh, my goodness. But you know what's interesting is that even with the strawberry fields, uh, John saying, I said, cranberry sauce. To me, it never sounds like that. It sounds like, 
I'm very bored, which is something they also claim that they said. I'm very bored, And so bored. there yeah. is yeah. this, always there's uh, uh, the discrepancies. Well, so what happened with this hoax is that essentially the rumor had gone around in London that there was a possibility that Paul McCartney was dead and that he had died in a car accident, a terrible car accident. Now, at the end of uh, 1965, Paul had a moped accident, and he had to get his lip stitched, and he had some bruising over his eyebrows, and and, uh, his tooth, I think, chipped. Right. And so that was one part of maybe this this, uh, underground talk. Then there was another rumor that Paul had actually died in a car accident in his Mini Cooper. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was decapitated, they, right? That's what they the, say. The, all kind of things and, and all kind of wild things that he had picked up a hitchhiker and she had hugged him when she realized who he was. It was a rainy night. And, oh, and yeah. that he, she tried to hug him and then they crashed the car and died. And it's like, well, wow, who gave that account? Because since they're both dead... <laughs> How did that happen? Right. I mean, how would they, how would we know that how that's what know? they were that's what they were doing unless some omnipotent person was watching it all. But what yeah, is interesting, Jeffrey, is in Jeffrey. I called you Jeffrey. Yeah, you call me Jeffrey. Like that's my name or something. <laughs> is that in February nineteen sixty seven of the Beatles book monthly? Yeah. Under false rumor, I'm gonna read to you what they wrote in there. And so you know, there's, here's the evidence that this is something that had been addressed well before September 1969. Stories about the Beatles are always flying around Fleet Street. The 7th January was very icy with dangerous conditions on the M1 motorway, linking London with the Midlands. And towards the end of the day, a rumor swept London that Paul McCartney had been killed in a car crash on the M1. But of course, it was absolutely Absolutely no truth in it at all, as the Beatles' press officer found out when he telephoned Paul's St. John's Wood home and was answered by Paul himself, who had been home all day with his black Mini Cooper safely locked up in the garage. Well, Paul didn't have a black Mini Cooper. He had a custom green one. It was John, George, and Ringo who had black Mini Coopers. But So there is a piece of evidence that the Beatles probably read about as well. Details, details. Okay, well, I'm but sure. I'm just But I'm just curious yeah. because to me, I as, as all these years of looking at these clues and thinking about it and just having the doubt, which from my opinion, I think there's no way there could be an, an imposter because I just don't think that an imposter could come in and essentially take over the group that John would give up his leadership or that George would let this new guy come in and just run rampant with them. Especially because Paul and George were childhood friends. But I could counter that and say, if you watch, let it be. All right. And the bit of tension between George and Paul, especially when Paul was trying to dictate how he wanted a part to go or not play guitar. He says, I'll play whatever you want me to play, or I won't play at all. If you don't want me to play, whatever it was, please you, I will do it. And I'm thinking maybe because that's not really Paul. Maybe because it's no, no, William Campbell. Maybe because this this other guy, this super talented lookalike whiz that you know could have been in a Beatles cover 
Beatles tribute band like 1964 or Rain. They have them now. There are plenty of lookalikes out there. There's plenty of talented mm, people with I, good voices. A, lookalike is a stretch. Lookalike is a stretch. But maybe they did recruit somebody. And this guy, you know, that had actually written Eleanor Rigby and written Here, There, and Everywhere and Yesterday and these classic co- songs, lyrics like Cole Porter, all of a sudden becomes up with Maxwell Silver Hammer and then later on comes up with classics like Silly Love Songs and Let Him In and it's like this vapid stuff later, some of it. And I'm thinking, oh, but talented, but somewhat vapid. And I'm thinking, could that really be the same guy? You know, makes you wonder, right? Well, just, I, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate here, folks. See, like see, so you listen, you listen to that. And to me, it's like, you know, sometimes you just write your best stuff early and maybe as you get older, it's like you're, you're stretching oh, to yeah. get good material. But I always just looked at Paul and I thought about how his face changed. And uh, if you go on the internet and if you look at YouTube, of course, there's like this whole wormhole that you can fall into and spend far too much time in. But, you know, there's there are suggestions that you look at Paul's ears and his earlobes, that that's the real key. And that fake Paul wore fake ears, which is unbelievably uh, right, hysterical. That, that is just stupid. But but, uh, but how tall was the original Paul and how tall is the supposed uh, imposter? Do look at the height. You mentioned this to me the other day. We were talking about this as, well, one, he looks a little taller in this one. Well, if you look at, and then you don't know the perspective of the photograph and what kind of shoes they're wearing, but in the early days, it always looked like the Beatles, except for Ringo, were relatively close in height, 5'11". Right. And then after when Paul had Martha, and I think it's like the Magical Mystery Tour, Martha is the dog. Martha's the dog. Yes, the sheep dog. That um, there look, there seems to be moments when Paul is actually quite physically taller than John. And I'm like, oh, but maybe John had lifts in his Cuban heel boots. I don't know. Oh, who knows what he had, John. He loved those. Oh, they all were wearing those Cuban heel boots at the time. And that was part of their get up and their new Beatles, quote, uniform, which later they rebelled against. But who knows? I mean, basically, I would sp- we would spend our time. What, what kicked all this off, at least for me, was looking at the Sgt. Pepper cover. And everyone... Because the cover was something new and the lyrics for the first time were published on the back and because the lyrics were somewhat always cryptic, like was losing this guy with diamonds really about LSD, people were reading all kinds of messages into it. And then you look at the cover, we can go into this cover, but what appeared to be clues to people uh, or suggestions of clues is that it looks like uh, all, you have an entire audience with the original wax figures of the Beatles and then the Beatles dressed up in the Sgt. Pepper outfits overlooking beds of flowers and it appears to be like a grave. And um, one of the features I read about wears these yellow roses is shaped like a guitar or a bass guitar. And it says it's a, left-handed, it reads, it's and a reads, left-handed bass. Right, left-handed bass that reads like a Paul. But I didn't see, uh, first of all, I've never seen that the letters for P-A-U-L in that getup. And you'd have to really stretch that and look really close. That was a clue I never saw or never understood. It, But it, but what it represented to me is, uh, okay, is that maybe this is the old Beatles are now gone. And th- this is now, we've been reborn and as we're going to be whoever we want to be, we can play the Sgt. Pepper role. We can, in other words, we're not the same band that we were. And I think that was what the, perhaps what the 
subconscious or conscious intention was uh, to create all these figures. But you mentioned Aleister Crowley or to me earlier, who is the guy that he's an occultist, the cultist that dealt into dark magic and, and the golden dawn. Um, right. Toth tarot. Well, he was in the quote audience. They put his figure in there and they say it appeared twice, you know, not just once. They hid hid No, they hid him. They hid him. Right. But he delved into maybe dark magic. So in his, uh, in Crowley's, I think 1913 book about magic, he says that, you know, you need to become adept at reading and speaking in reverse, and that means listening to films in reverse and and phonographs in reverse and writing in reverse. And so in the actual book of magic that he wrote, he says, I am he, which is something that either John must have, wow, what a coincidence, or he lifted <laughs> Or he probably loved it. Well, remember, he read a lot. John uh, took a lot of LSD. He experimented with it, as they, a bunch of them did, well, after they were, it was slipped in their drinks by a dentist. We've heard that story. But I think that was an influence. But he also had read a lot of uh, Lewis Carroll, which is... In Jabberwocky. Jabberwocky, which is a lot of surrealism, surrealistic images. That's just what was going on at the time. But so he wrote stuff like I am the walrus and the whole bit about the walrus was Paul later. He's another clue for you all. Okay. Oh my gosh. They're telling us there's a clue. But it goes to, it goes to my, my thinking as were the Beatles a part of this, uh, of adding the clues in, taking the mick out of us essentially. And, um, having some fun with it because this, the origin of, of how it spread, nationally and internationally, is that in September of 1969, a college student wrote an article in the paper, and you can print it off, you can find it on the internet, and just print it off these clues. And then from there, uh, it went to, I think it was Russ Gibb on the radio, someone called in and said, yeah, I want to talk about Paul McCartney being dead. And it's amazing how quickly this story took off. In fact, Jeff, let me go ahead and... It caught fire. It really did. Let me read to you. This is from one of the magazines that came out in 1969, and and I'm sure if you're a Beatles fan... I had it. It it said, Paul McCartney, born 1942, died, question mark. This is the dead, the the great great hoax. hoax. You know what? See, this is a reprint from 78. The original is in the attic. It's my attic. I have it. Right. So let me just read to you that this magazine came out quickly and in those days, it was like you had the teen, what was it, date, 16 magazine? Right, they have the teen and magazine, 16. There was like Rona Barrett's, there were kind of Hollywood books that coming out quickly, movie sure. stuff. And so this, again, it goes to how rumors and conspiracies spread like wildfire so quickly. Thousands of weeping mornings, mourners surrounded Paul McCartney's estate in the elegant section of St. John's Wood, London. The British police tried their best to keep the crowds away, but as the hours passed and the news of Paul's death circulated, more and more fans showed up to honor and mourn their fallen hero. American and British radio stations across both countries found their switchboards jammed with unceasing calls. Was it true? Was Paul really dead? Each unknown voice on the other end of the line asked. But the mystified radio and television announcers did not know what to reply. Along with the callers, They remained in the dark, hoping for some helpful comment from the one person who could solve the mystery, Paul McCartney himself. But was the man living in St. John's Wood really Paul McCartney or a clever imposter? Was attractive Linda Eastman married to Paul or to a stranger? 
were all the Beatles taking part in a chilly masquerade that dated back to November 1966, supposedly the date the real Paul McCartney died in a violent automobile accident? If proof were needed that Paul was alive, could the man who claimed to be Paul supply the truth? These were the questions that needed answers. But who was there to answer them? So this... (laughs) (laughs) you're reading this and you're a kid you know you're like i was uh, i was like uh, six or seven years old and i'm like oh my god because it's a whole book of what ifs and clues and um this was uh, the 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 hoax itself made it to national news i think it was chet huntley yeah chet chet huntley was chet huntley's national news david Right. Some, someone else, I don't remember. I don't either. And um, so but, that happened quickly, and this is again October 1969. And then by November, I want to say that um, that was the, the F. Lee Bailey, who at the time was a noted attorney, attorney. All right. had this special, and there are no copies of that special left that we can see. Except uh, uh, not in pure form, no, but actually uh, on YouTube videos, you see excerpts from it. Uh, there's some videos out there that address this. Uh, what's what's the handle on that that you it was should... called? I think the the winged beetle. The winged beetle, right? Uh, that addresses this and uh, asks those questions because, well, some of the quote, some of the so-called clues are are uh, seem almost convincing in a way. Uh, and is it possible? I mean, they all changed their looks. Maybe was that just part of a cover up to changing their appearance? All of them growing their hair longer, growing mustaches, so that it could look like they were all doing it at the same time. I mean, you could really And did they this, all lose their baby fat and from the drugs and being so thin that maybe made them look so. gaunt? Maybe so, but I have a feeling that, you know, because John at the time was listening and reading the, you know, the, book of the Timothy, Tibet. not the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but based on the uh, summary of it, not the original one. And based on Timothy Leary's tune in, drung in, drop out, he was taking a lot of LSD, to, like in Tomorrow Never Knows, you know, um, those, those uh, basically he, his ego was being, he was destroying his ego. That was the goal, I think, of the philosophy at the time is let go of your ego. So he practically had, was letting go of his ego so much, you know, he formerly being an aggressive leader of the group that he just let Paul do whatever he wanted. And so I, I don't think that were the, it, were the Beatles as callous and as mercenary to go along with something that, if, God forbid, they say if the Paul McCartney died in an accident, we can't afford to do this because it'll crush the British sterling or the the British currency and life can't go on. We're going to have to do something here to maintain what's whoops what's happening maintain the illusion or oh, right of the Beatles. so well were they calculating and and in my mind no they would never do that i don't know maybe that it was a bigger movement than that it was larger than them what if there were some you know, greedy record executives and say no this is this is going to actually impact the economy of the time it's going to not only impact their futures in the band the band would have been over i mean it was unthinkable back then to replace band members. I mean, nowadays everyone replaces somebody but uh, that passes away, and the bands are never quite the same, but people still go see them, right? But, well, for example, Led Zeppelin. Did, right. They stopped the band after John Bonham died. Right, right. But the Who, but it's, it's never, like filling the, filling right, the seats. Right, I mean, people still go see them, right? But the, the point is is that these were the Beatles, and that, that would have been almost unthinkable, at least at that time. So would someone be that 
desperate or unethical or greedy to to want to propagate such you know if that were an, an actual truth would they go that far to replace them with it and could William Campbell be formerly of the CIA or maybe they were MI6 helping, or whatever or it could have been something you know MI6 or or the Illuminati I mean you can and go. William Campbell was supposedly they had a look-alike contest and he won for Paul McCartney and if you read some of the accounts it's like the winner of the contest was never announced. It kind of just went away. And they're saying that they pulled him in. It was in that, uh, it, it begs, uh, what's the word? It begs the question. It just, well, it's just, it's, uh, again, tribute bands, they can learn to play left-handed. They can learn to play piano. They can Yeah, you had to learn be left-handed. Right, you had guitar. to be You could learn to do that, but it's, more than that, it was, uh, you know, it's how they, you know, the Beatles were such a tight unit. Would they ever let that happen? Would the actual Beatles let that happen? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm not them. I mean, I don't know. What would John do? I think that, of course, we know, I think it's all BS anyway. But Totally. But, I mean, it's, com- it's, it's complete nonsense, all of this. But but let's just, let's just indulge people for a while. Let's say John looked at everyone and they saw that this was going on, all this talk, and says, oh, let's mess with them just a little more. John was not above putting a, pulling a sick joke, all right? If you read in his own right everything, he had nothing but sick jokes. John was Well, and like he also that. said that they used to put in little things like the tit, 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 and Oh, girl, yeah, oh, of course, and they, they would throw things into to see if it but would get this, past the But, you know, sensors. this is a very different yeah. macabre. What's the word? Mac- this is a different level. Yeah. All right, I mean, this, this is taking it to another level. But here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. They were very aware that people were starting to read a lot of stuff into their lyrics. And unfortunately, you know, you had you had crazies out there, like unfortunately Charles Manson reading into Helter Skelter. So, you know, you had all kinds of people reading into a Beatle lyrics and the making age them, of Aquarius, I think. Right. And of course making them more than than what they actually were. But then I think that um John knowing that would purposefully maybe throw in something for them to keep them interested you know and for instance i I think these were all complete total coincidences where on abbey road you see paul is barefoot which means so supposedly symbolizes that he's the The corpse the corpse right and the way they were dressed on the front cover you know, John's wearing all white, so he is like the preacher. He's or the preacher. The he's the preacher. Ringo is the undertaker. Undertaker, and then you know, there's the corpse, and then George follows and is dressed in his jeans, so he must be the grave digger, right? So, and then there was the car, uh, the Volkswagen that says twenty eight. If which by the time it come out, maybe he would have been twenty eight. Or they're if saying that the Eastern philosophy is that they consider the nine months that you were. Right. Being carried as a year. Right. They're carrying that in since they were in Eastern uh, philosophy influenced. 28 if then might have made some sense. And on the back of the cover and you flip it over, there's like uh, in the brick wall, there's the like three, three dots. The three dots. You know, you're looking but at But you that. have to connect them and it makes a three. And then there's a crack through the Beatles and then, you know, name. And then you go through the lyrics and then there's all these little clues like one and one and one is three. on come together. All right. Instead of four. There's There's all kinds of lyrical references you can pick out, which actually, if you throw it all together, 
maybe on some subconscious level, John, you know, wanted to leave the band sooner because he was restless and kind of unhappy. You know, he was living with Cynthia. He thought it was a fake life. And, you know, he was basically waiting for Yoko. Even though he had loved Cynthia when he first met her, he was a bit flighty and he was always restless and dissatisfied. So here along comes and Paul gets um, a more of a leading role in the band because, you know, admittedly, George would admit this later that, yeah, we were a bit lazy. We we're glad that, you know, or Ringo would say, we were glad that uh, Paul pushed us because we were getting a little lazy and and Paul would just say, let's get to work, boys. You know, so Paul taking more of a leadership role in the band and John tripping out on LSD all the time and, you know, subsuming his own ego. So all of this stuff combined, uh, I think, would have made it literally just impossible for for someone an imposter to come in and take over the band as a business proposition for the illusion of keeping the band going that they would then subsequently break up, you know, what, within two years afterwards? When, why wouldn't they keep it going? If it was a, if this was really true and a business machine, why would they not want to keep that machinery going instead of John saying, I want to divorce, you know, at the end? Because he was very prone to being... Dramatic. Um, dramatic, of course. Drum, I, I mean, think they're all drama queens. Well, and I bet, well, they're both men. They're all men with substantial egos. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, they all had, you know, they're all tremendously talented. And they're all asserting their individual strong identities. All of them, I think, were strong identities. But, of course, John was restless, unhappy, was so searching for the next next thing. And for him, the next thing was his relationship with Yoko because he had never had anything quite like that. And so he just wanted to be with her and he didn't want to be bothered with them anymore. And I think they kind of presented that Paul's, you know, basically his superior musicality and talent uh, over in, in terms of technical ability and the fact that he pushed them to work so hard uh, and kept the, quote, illusion of the band. I think the band... They all think that John felt that when Brian Epstein died, that the band was breaking up, you know, at that was done at that point. And because it was Brian was the glue that kind of kept them together once they were done with the touring. So you going back to the to the hoax, the conspiracy. Well, well let's talk about Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant so, Pepper. That was so flush with things to look at. So when you're a kid and you've got your Sergeant Pepper album and, the, and you open up the gate fold sleeve and you see the picture of them, and then you look at the partial patch on Paul's blue costume, or right. his, uh, whatever you want to call it, uniform. It's uniform, right? Sergeant and it Pepper looks uniform. like OP, you can't really tell. Looks well, like OPD. It well, appears almost, to not be. quite. It looks like OP something. And then, you know, it turned into officially pronounced dead, is what they said, how they... Instead of saying dead on arrival like they do in the U.S., it was OPD, but apparently that's not in true. Re- in England, that's and what not, it would But be. it's not true, apparently. Right. That's not what they do. And it really is a patch that has OPP. It's Ontario Provincial Police. But right. what's curious is that, and I, I forgot to mention this before, but the spiraling of this rumor in the fall of 1969 led to uh, Life magazine basically... Uh, kind of trespassing on Paul's property in Scotland to find him. And he was very angry at first, and then he calmed down. And they, you know, he said, I'm not dead. And listen, I have a new life now I'm with my children. Just, you know, I'm with my, this is how I want to do it. What he really said in there is there's no more, no more Beatles in there, but that was kind of like glossed over. Right. And, uh, oh, hell, I forgot my point. 
Well, you'll find it. If you lose it, <laughs> if you drop your point somewhere, just go pick it up and find it. But let's look at, the, again, as Sergeant Pepper, the flower beds, there were so many so-called clues in there. Oh, the oh, I know what my point was. My point was that they asked him about the patch on his Sergeant Pepper costume. Oh, they asked him about it. And he, and said, he said, oh, OPD is probably Ontario Police Department. I'm thinking, really? I mean, I, and you were saying that maybe he's just not a details guy. Canadian. Maybe he's not. <laughs> no, maybe he's not a details guy. Well, maybe it stands for uh, um, Ontario, Provincial, Ontario Police. Provincial Police, OPP, not OPD. Well, what does it matter? I mean, like everyone was reading into extremes with some of these clues. For instance, Paul, uh, there's a picture on in the White Album of Paul in the bathtub in his head. Oh, that must mean his head is decapitated. Oh, come on, you idiots. I but mean, there is a picture on the White Album uh, poster where he where they're like these two skeleton hands that are like reaching out for him. It looks like skeleton hands. Yes. I never really detected that. Oh, I'll show you after uh, this. Yeah. But to so, so Sergeant Pepper, the the coincidental clues of, you know, on the back cover, Paul not facing the camera and George pointing and pointing to the line at Wednesday morning at what Wednesday morning at five o'clock, the day begins from she's leaving home, yes. which is supposedly the time that on November 9th, he went out, you know, angry after a session. Oh, the other thing. And, and so that's on the back. Right. And then you get to see the lyrics in a day in the life. He blew his mind out in a car. Oh yeah. That was a big one there. That was so huge. The whole thing was basically the story of a day in the life. And John was actually referring to, you know, maybe he was in Tara the house Brown. of Lords. Yeah. It heard someone else that had an actual accident. He wasn't talking about, Paul, but everyone interpreted that then maybe that was Paul. Like the secretary goes, woke up, fell out of bed. And he was doing that part. Maybe that was the morning that he maybe went out and got himself killed, supposedly. And then the rest of it was about, you know, uh, the story of, you know, his death and telling the story through, through that. And then, of course, the crescendo of the, of the orchestra leads up to the big, to the big moment and the final chord, meaning... It's over. It's his death. You know, that that's just like, it's like a funeral, almost like a funeral dirge. It can be interpreted, it was interpreted that way. And amongst other songs, you know, they came afterwards. But no, I, I and that's the well, only but, obvious but, one. No, but there were many, there were several other clues, like the, the doll with the white car in her lap and then the bloody gloves next to the doll. Yeah, what was that? I mean, the bloody glow, you know, the white car symbolic of the car that he died in. In fact, if you look at that winged beetle video... They show the white car going in the back of the Strawberry Fields um, video, music video, and they show the white car at all different times, how this white car is oh, in the and free as a bird. Well, in Free as a Bird, you'll notice that uh, the video that was made of that a Lennon song. For re- the Beatles anthology. Revamp for the Beatles anthology, where you see uh, the car wreck, and that was kind of addressed uh, indirectly, was that rumor. And I think they just... Go well, back to the the Sergeant Pepper and with the hand over Paul's head. We see that not only in Sergeant Pepper, we see it multiple times in Magical Mystery Tour. We see it in Yellow Submarine. And boy, what a coincidence that every time it's just Paul's head that has a hand over it. Well, maybe he's blessed. Paul is blessed. Well, and put your hand over in blessing. No, well, the hand over the head. I. When I was younger, looking at this stuff, I never saw that. Well, I was, well, it was mo- right there, though. Uh, well, I didn't know. I mean, it wasn't among the clues that I read about. The ones I read about were more about listening to the lyrics and going back and saying, when you play this backwards, again, I had wrecked a couple of, of records 
uh, original records, unfortunately, and worn out the grooves on them and the needles on on the turntables, folks, going, you know, just doing all that stuff and listening for what they said backwards. That was the initial thing. Well, and also looking at the albums and really digging deep. Right. Because if you look through the next set of most popular clues is Magical Mystery Tour and... They're dressed as wizards in maybe in honor of Alist- Alistair Crowley. Right. And they are, um, they have the whole walrus thing. The fictional then- in the sky. The, the Beatles were in the sky and there were wizards. And then there was the uh, patch when he was wearing his military outfit. And, and then he- on he's sitting at the desk and it says, I was. It really says, I, you was. But in the larger letters, it says, I was. And uh, right. there are more pictures there of them with everybody and it's like all the whole crew of people and again someone's got his hand over Paul's head so it's interesting and remember what Nicola said in it the young child actors I think it was something that the um the walrus I'm the walrus and Nicole says underneath no no, you're you're not not. no you're not well, that's silly. <laughs> that's just silliness. Well, you can look into songs like, you know, Your Mother Should Know. And when he's dancing, and there's the other one from Magical Mystery Tour where in the uh, video where during that song, they're all going down dressed in white suits. White tuxedos. White tuxedos, actually, right. Uh, going dancing and doing a spiral, a spiral staircase, uh, gleaming staircase. And Paul's the only one wearing a black rose. And his explanation was that they ran out. However... In his hand are red roses. <laughs> He's holding red roses in his hand. <laughs> With some other flowers, but he has red roses in his hand. I don't know. So I mean, yeah, the, again, that's just, you know, that's just a bunch of nonsense, really. But I think that he was, yeah, he was he was dressed like that. So, again, that was used as a clue. And then in Blue Jay Way, you know, it was a, uh, my friends have lost their way. You know, it was very creepy. I mean, I am the walrus all the, the, the lyrics of that song, I am he as you are me as you are me and we are all together. Well, that's only three. Again, three out of four. People oh, made all kinds and of and things. And again, on the um, Sgt. Pepper uh, front cover, if you look at it a certain way, it says something, I... One, one, die or something. It was sort of one, right, one, on nine, Right, on the Sgt. Pepper die. cover, we're talking about that big drum. And they're saying on the big drum, and it has the the insignia of the band name, if you hold up a, a mirror to that, then it says something about something with die, D-I-E, and then, a, and then it looks like Roman, some type of Roman numerals that indicate the date of death as November 9th. And basically, uh, we just, Karen just got her mail delivered in the front door. <laughs> You've got mail. And it happens, stuff happens. I think that that was, that mail drop, is kind of significant. I think that uh, somebody out there is actually listening to us as we record. Well, this. The, the fallacy with the the problem with the eleven nine. If you look at that, it's uh, the British have a different. You know, we do our month and then date, and they do the date and then the month. I believe like nine September. Right in Europe, they do the date so first. They, right, they do they do the day of the month first, and then the month, and then the year. Right. Does it go to society that we can? We can manipulate and make anything kind of fit a scenario. I think that, yes, I think that we tend to create our own storyline and ideas from from that. Uh, we're putting, the mind is a tendency to want to look for pieces to, to fit together. 
and create a narrative and create a story uh, to make sense of things. And this, for the more conspiratorial-minded or people with great imaginations, can look at so-called clues and put them together and say, yes, is it? it's plausible that maybe someone, a, a member, famous person had died and needed to be replaced because the Beatles were, quote, were yes, that important. It could happen. It could. Is what is it likely? No, um, not really. But it is interesting to see, you know, all the other things that it would you can look for when you you always find what you're looking for. So when you look for for additional clues, you can make something look like anything. I mean, and of course, the Beatles were already impressed, you know, leaving impressions all over the place. That's what songwriting, great songwriting, does. So, uh. Well, I have a the, feeling. The, the, the interesting thing is that even to this day, you know, Paul is still asked about it. Like, I think it was, was this it video David, we David Letterman. You, right. You sent me a video that, and they asked the question. <laughs> David Letterman. And he's like going, oh, no, you know, oh, no, look at you smiling. <laughs> there's there's like smiling people begin other. to look at you like, and there's like cocking his, he's cocking his head and they're looking at you. Are you the real Paul or not the real Paul? And then remember Chris Farley. On the Saturday Night Live thing, sorry, I keep hitting the table, and he says, he says, <laughs> and the Paul, the Paul is dead. Was that true? <laughs> <laughs> so here, it's a lifetime of doubt. Of here's this incredible hoax, this unbelievable thing that picked up traction around the world, where people are buying, and apparently, Capitol Records said, no, we're really not a part of this. It's not a marketing scheme. But in 69, they were selling a ton of albums, and people were going bananas for this. And as you can see, the Paul McCartney magazines and the special on TV, I mean, it's just like they had you, to love it. Right, I mean, when you look on the back, like you look on the inner sleeve, because it was the first album that had an inner sleeve. What, Sgt. Pepper? Of the, oh, Sergeant Pepper, and there's Paul sitting there with his legs folded as if, and they say, oh, that's Paul in fetal position must mean he's dead you know all kinds of stuff like that when you see them on magic front cover of magical mystery tour they're all in costume all is, right is there a hand over his head yeah the hand there's there's again uh -huh. hand over the head uh and and, and you're looking at all oh how about if paul took his shoes off in the um yeah, magical I'm, mystery tour when they're playing with and next to ringo's drum which is kind of had orange and so they're like oh they're bloody it's bloody shoes. No, he took his shoes off. He obviously maybe he has sweaty feet and he has to take his shoes off often. Maybe Paul just <laughs> likes to walk around with his with barefoot, you know, or with sandals on. If this is the kind of guy that wears sandals, there's some guys like that that want to, don't like to wear socks and and sneakers and shoes, and so he wants to dress like that. Fine, you know, it's not the first time. Um, it's really it really goes it gets silly, but there is um if you go to the White Album and if you look at the the poster that's included. There are a couple things in there that draw your attention, and one of them, they say, is the, the picture of William Campbell, the imposter who was brought into the band, and he has glasses. And, and one thing, if you look at Paul, you know, his face really did change quite a bit throughout, mm. um, throughout seven or eight years as everybody's face changes. You're not the same as when you're 22 or 23. You oh, I am. The, I, I've never changed. You lose the change at all. fullness in your face. No. And it doesn't help that Paul was, I would say, a baby face because there's nowhere to go but not, you know, in the wrong direction for that. But he, 
his face became so elongated. It used to be this little chubby face, and it became very elongated. It became very different. And if you look at, it's hard to find, but if you can Google Paul and Mount Evans in Kenya, in the fall of 1966, he went to Kenya, I believe, also with uh, Jane Asher. They also went to France, and he looks, he looks emaciated. He looks so unbelievably thin. Oh, I'm like, oh my. You did look thin there. Yeah, you, you showed me, you sent me the pictures. Some of them are a little bit not the greatest quality photos, but yeah, I saw the pictures and and maybe he and did. Then, and then after that, I sent you that picture of Paul at a party, I think at the Indica Gallery with Julie Felix, who was a folk singer. And I'll put it in the in our YouTube video, that picture. And he looks like, it, it doesn't even look, it looks, he looks like totally someone different. Well, John always changed his appearance. John dramatically changed his John appearance. John changed his appearance almost every other day. I mean, you didn't know what, what, how long his hair was going to be, if he wore the glasses or not, and even then, if the sidebirds were going to be long, if he'd be bearded. You know, each at one point, each of them looked like Christ, you know, growing their beard so long, and like George would do that. I mean, they'd all change their appearance after 1966, you know, they, when they gave up the, quote, mop-top appearance and then just let everything go, you know, they, they change their appearance all the time. And, and, uh, you know, I think that Paul was no exception. He liked to, to dress and change the way he looked. And I think he, they, it was said that he grew the mustache to cover up the, the, um, uh, uh, scar on his lip, little scar on his upper, uh, yeah, on his upper lip from his moped accident, which is a real thing, folks. That actually did happen. That's documented, but, um, there is really, I mean, but the bottom line is where is your evidence? people all right all of this stuff is a lot of fun we're picking out our so-called clues we're stringing things together we're, even the beatles maybe like you suggested were maybe aware of what m m was going on in the in the audience or the keither and decided to play with us just a little bit remember they stopped touring so they didn't weren't be able to promote the records in the same way so was this kind of a subtle, cynical play at, at uh, promotion? Did we play this up so that the album sales would increase and we'd everyone would be buying the records and looking at the clues? Was this just a, a huge deception, a marketing ploy? Or were they really that cynical? I don't think so. But the way that it happened, it did help generate sales because people were buying the Abbey Road, more copies of Abbey Road oh, to look at the, the clues. And then the byproduct was that the other people were writing songs like St. Paul. Did you hear about that? And the guy's writing this song about. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Sorry. We can't answer that. That was St. Paul at the door. <laughs> yeah. It was St. Paul at the door. We're in the middle of our podcast, people. Sorry. Okay. We cannot answer the door. Um, that's fine. They're dropping off a package, I'm sure. Uh, so St. Paul. And then there are other songs that people are, of course, they're like doing these novelty songs quickly to, to take advantage of the controversy. Right. And it's funny to go back and to listen to them, although I think that St. Paul was written quite early. I don't have any notes on it in front of me. I just happened to listen to it um, the other night. The one of the, and here was that, did you see that weird thing in that Winged Beetle video? Which I did. was the, the three. I saw three of them. No, it was the, one of those songs was published on Macklin Music, which was, John and Paul's publishing, but I've never, I don't think that that's right. No, I think I don't that's think a mistake. Is. No, I think that's an error. Again, there's so there, much misinformation. Oh yeah. It's basically <laughs> misinformation just is, is so easy to take off on a rumor. 
I think that people secretly love rumors and they like little conspiracies because it keeps the mind busy and makes you piece together because since you don't really know these people in person, you don't know your musical idols, is you want to at least fantasize and imagine that on some level you know they do or their absence from the stage means some big conspiracy. So people, some people are more conspiratorially minded and so they went and go and have fun with pulling all these so-called clues together and then the artist may become aware of it. And I can imagine that John would like tease the audience with a couple of, of things and tidbits. Well, and what did he say in How Do You Sleep? Those freaks was right when you... Those freaks were, well, because he was aware of it. And he said, those freaks was right when they said you were you was dead. The one mistake you made was in your head. Why would he say that to an imposter? He would say that because that was confirmation that Paul was actually alive because... That's right. And when you're angry with someone and you have this public feud... Right. There's evidence that there's a lot of care and emotion that was in part of that, and so an imposter to have that level of right I would not receive that anger. level of emotion. He wouldn't ca- wouldn't have cared, right? But the the venom was directed at a real person, his actual friend Paul, like two brothers having an argument. Same thing. Uh, so again, people, I had a lot of fun, you know, ruining my records when I was young and looking at the album covers and actually wondering, is this possible? Well, I'll tell you what, if if it is all true, and they did come up with this, and uh, and this look alike, sound alike, uh, and also artistically brilliant, uh, William Campbell is now Paul McCartney. I say, William, you've done a great job. I've loved your records. Thank you very much. You make a and great. And everybody Paul. had to go along with it. George yeah. Martin, Jane Asher, oh, yes, the Beatles. All I mean, went they all were it. part of the cover. Oh, yeah. oh yes, we all went along with it. And yes, it all was just, it's ridiculous. Ah, It is ridiculous, but it is very, very interesting. We need it to be addressed. I think that we all need to kind of discuss this. And and now that uh, from the perspective of time and aging, and we look at this and now Paul is now 79 79 years old. Thank God. I'm glad he's still around. Ringo's 80, 81. You'd think he would have said something by now, right? So no, nothing happened, but it was all lots of fun and games and, you know, of course, we love looking at Beatle lyrics to see what they mean. And sometimes John loved playing with words. John Lennon loved language and words. And that he had a lot of fun, you know, putting, you know, quoting lyrics that actually, you know, you could read your own meaning into. Just like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Wasn't that, was that about uh, LSD? No, it was literally was indeed about his son Julian with a drawing he made of a girl in a class you know, named Lucy. So that was all verifiable. Was it? Yeah, it was. Or was it? No, it wasn't. Twofold. No, I don't think so. We'll never know. Well, I don't know. I'm we'll not, never know, will I'm we? I'm not there. I'm just based That's upon right. the information We're I know. We're only speculating. I'm so sp- with this podcast, we just wanted, we didn't want to go over every single clue. We didn't want to do every, we just wanted to talk about it from the perspective of growing up with this and the fascination that we still have and the curious things that we still seem to see on the internet and what people spend a lot of time making some sophisticated videos and doing some sophisticated studies and studying the vocal patterns of Paul McCartney at age 23 and 33. And it's like, you know what? You, your voice changes over time. Every seven years, just like your cells change in your body. And of course you change. So everyone ages, everyone changes and the voice will change over years. It cannot be helped. It's just something that happens. And I'm still thankful, though, that uh, 
the the person that says he's Paul McCartney, I believe him. He's Paul McCartney. At least he's the only Paul that I know. And I'm quite happy. We like he, this Paul. And I like this Paul. He seems like a pretty decent guy, at least now, and and great uh, artist. And uh, we really appreciate. We love we love the Beatles and everything. And and we love the fact that so this came up, and so this was a a, a very pro, pro, partially profitable hoax that happened at the time. But I don't think the Beatles themselves had anything to do with it. I think they were just amused. And maybe having slightly fun annoyed, with it. having fun with it, maybe slightly annoyed, of course, but but also amused with it, and said, "Okay, well, let them think what they're going to think." You know, <laughs> they keep they still we still bought the records and we still listen to them. So, so I think that that's what we're going to wrap it up and just kind of like just wanted to put it out there. So, um, we thank you so much for listening today, and this podcast is available on all the typical podcast platforms anchor apple amazon etc um spotify what else jeff i don't remember but we also have a youtube channel and i'll put up some pictures that we talked about today of the magazines and uh, not all the clues it's overwhelming but a couple things and if you are so inclined go to the youtube and subscribe and leave a comment about your experience and how you kind of um see through the paul mccartney is dead hopes so thank you so much for listening appreciate it and we will see you next time all right see you folks thanks very much